Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and we've got a really great story for you today. It is with my good friend, Tate Seamer. And, you know, Tate's been on a journey, and really what's cool is to see a student start with the idea of, hey, I want to get my first deal to actually getting it. And not only getting one, but two. And uh, he's got a great story where he's got deals lined up. His future looks bright. And listen, it's all because Tate took action, just like you guys need to take action. You're not going to want to miss this episode. It's filled with, you know, the how I did it and a little of the mistakes in between and, and really just how he's kind of pushed and created a team to go out and do multifamily deals. You're not going to want to miss them, so let's get it on. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. Hey, man. Welcome to the show, brother. Dude, this is kind of dream come true type material for me. Honestly, Corey, you are as you know, huge in my world and in my team's world as far as our business and our development, our growth, and you're foundational for us. So to get to talk to you and hang out with you in this capacity is like awesome sauce for me. Yeah, brother, I tell you what, there's nothing that lights me up more than bringing some students that came in, took the medicine, and then took off. And that's really what you've done, Tate. You know, in less than a year, I'll say, I think it's less than mm-hmm. a year, yep. to go from really not many real, we'll call it real multifamilies, to close on 269 doors with 300 doors under contract. Yep. That is a journey that I want. I think everybody wants to hear a little bit of how that transpired. Because I go back to when I first met you, we're at an Adam Adams event, Raising Private Money event. Mm-hmm. And somehow, and I think I spoke a little bit on the stage, but, and you came and approached me afterwards and we had some really good conversations with your team. Yeah. You know, I was telling you this off the air, Corey, we have you to thank for a lot of things, but one of them is giving us a sense of confidence about knowing how to structure a deal, getting our heads around what a big asset class or big unit count asset class type deal looks like. And you're sitting down with us and I think you spent the better part of two hours with my team, no joke, in the back of this ballroom. And I still have the piece of paper hanging to my right right now that you diagrammed an entire deal on for us and helped us really get our heads around it. And a confused mind says no, an informed mind says yes, and has confidence to get things done. And you know, you really gave us that gift that night. So we just have tons of appreciation for you. And I've got to spend some really good time with you. I got into your coaching mastermind a couple of years back. I got to come down and have a one-on-one day with you and got to go out in your boat and get hit in the face with a bat flying by. and <laughs> With a bat? <laughs> and almost 
park the boat yeah. in the, uh, on the shore because it was so oh, dark. Man. But uh, no, I mean, and just to round out the picture of like what we're doing right now is we're doing 2000 doors between now and next May. So we've got between what we own and what we have in the pipe, we're in the five mid 500 range. So we've got a little work to do, but working in Columbus, Ohio and in Oklahoma City, and we're going to do a thousand doors in both of those markets by next May, by my birthday. So that's really the vision that we're creating and we're going big or going bigger kind of thing. <laughs> well, and the beauty of this is it starts with an idea and that was what you were really working on. I think when I, when we first met, you already had a vision of, I needed to get to what I call cash flow or just doing it differently because I think you were in the middle of doing some deals that were not working out so well. And that was with development, right? Right. Yeah. Well, a little background. We cut our teeth. We being my partner, Carl York and myself cut our teeth on single family flipping like so many people that end up in this space did and or even still do. And we really got tired of single family flipping for all the reasons that everybody else gets tired of it. It's just a hard daggone paycheck to make and it's risky and it's speculative. And if you're in a real hot market, you take a lot of that risk and speculation out of it, but still it can, it's just a grind guys. And so we were looking for expansion and scale and thought that development might be the next good step for us, not having really taken a look hard at the multifamily opportunity at all. And so we got into a couple of deals that quite frankly, we didn't know enough about to do proper due diligence on when we got into them in retrospect. And we made a lot of pretty big mistakes along the way and had a lot of bad luck along the way too. And that said, I take full responsibility for everything that happened, but they just turned out really badly. And and they took the better part of three years to complete, which is ridiculous, but that tells you how they went. Yeah. So we literally, as of three months ago, are just getting those off of our books. And in the meantime, what we did was immediately after acquiring those over three and a half years ago, we got into the acquisition of smaller multifamily, 12 unit. And then we saw the light on multifamily in general. You're buying cash flow, you're buying profit, you're buying a PL sheet that has history behind it that you can basically lean on. And there's so many other tax advantages, et cetera. Like that. And we didn't see those till we had the deal in our lap. We had the deal fall on our lap, basically, saw the magic, and then really started going hard after larger scale multifamily. And that's when I started seeking out mentorship and education and self-education, went to a couple conferences. The first one I saw yet was actually the Finding Deals Summit, I believe, in Denver. Oh, yeah. Deal maker life. Yeah. So you were in my radar and I reached out to you. You called me. We connect on the phone. I remember exactly where I was walking my dog when we had our conversation on the phone. And there was a lot of synergy between us. And long story short, learned a ton from you and been inspired by you and have borrowed some of your mojo, as you like to say. Yeah, man. Well, that's, <laughs> and that's the beauty. That's the beauty of this game is, and really, I think it's the mindset of abundance too. Like no matter, you can give all your best secrets away and it would not make any difference. And I know you share that mindset as well. Yeah, It's so neat to watch success happen and really manifest. You know, I believe it's a head game, right? More than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, This thing's really a head game. 
And, totally. and especially when you're coming from, you just said it, things are not so perfect on the other side of the coin. And you're dealing with that. Yet at the same time, once you saw and got a taste of the right version, you knew that that's the right way. Right. Yep. And yeah. so, and that's still, it happens for a lot of us. We don't see it, especially if we're in that fix and flip blinders mentality. But once you get open to the ideal of cash flow and that possibility and what the long-term consequences are, it's fairly intoxicating, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. And the peripheral things that go along with it, the tax advantages, your equity growth, your wealth building, your risk mitigation. I mean, on and on and on the, the list of wonderful things about multifamily assets. And it's the first time in my life that my real estate life, it was the first project that we ever did that was not speculative. And what I mean by that is, of course, it's investing and things can go south. And there's always scenarios that can happen that you can't foresee, like a pandemic. What I mean by not being speculative is that we buy, and I know you, Corey, when you buy these assets, you're buying something that you have a history of showing profit that you're buying a profitable business that is provable on a profit and loss report and tax returns and bank statements and all that stuff. And you can be assured that that asset is producing the cash flow that it is, and therefore it has the value that it has. And to get into the commercial world where you're not dealing with appraisers and or the same kind of appraisers and single family and dealing with lenders that are just very pro and general and know what they're doing. And lending is often easier, I think, in multifamily. Yeah, man. I mean, it's interesting. You, you talk about mindset, Corey. I'm, I couldn't agree with you more as far as that goes. And we're living proof that mindset will make you or break you. And yeah. we lost a lot on those townhomes. We lost a lot more than the money that we lost, which was significant. We lost a lot of our sanity, a lot of peace of mind. And I mean, we're legit tears along the way. And yeah. there were months and months of not knowing how we were going to get, gonna get exit. How are you going to get out of it? Right. Just at months and months of that, like yeah. dark months. <laughs> and yeah. And so you have a choice when you're going through something like that. And the choice ultimately is what story you make up about it. Right. So like a lot of people are going to go through something like that and they're going to tell themselves that they're a failure, that this market's horrible, that real estate sucks, that they just don't have good luck, that they weren't made for success. There's a lot of stories that you can make up when you're faced with that kind of adversity. The story that I made up and I got to give Hal Elrod some credit for this with the miracle equation and the miracle morning he wrote, but how Elrod, the miracle equation is just simply unwavering faith plus extraordinary effort equals miracles. And so I took that unwavering faith part. I went all in on that, Corey. Yeah. Like I had to come. I saw you do it. I saw that mentality. Like I'm going to make this work. Yeah. And I knew I would because I knew that I wasn't going to quit. I knew my partner wasn't going to quit. I mean, at the same time, it's scary and dark and, you know, it's unprecedented, quite frankly, the place that we got to with those deals. Yeah. My job as kind of the visionary between my partner and myself and the rest of our team was to steer the ship from the captain's quarters, right? And what yeah. I mean by that is I needed to keep my eyes on the horizon as to what we were doing next, right? Like we had this forest fire of a mess going on underneath us. 
and whatever analogy you want to look at, like the decks are burning, right? And at the same time, we had to really knuckle down and go, all right, I'm going to go mastermind with Corey Peterson. I'm going to go to this conference. I'm going to go to the Salt Lake Real Estate Investor Association. I'm going to listen to these podcasts. I'm going to listen to these audiobooks. And we're going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars in the next three to five years. And these townhouses aren't going to mean anything for something that we went through that made us bigger and stronger and better anyway. Yeah. So that's really just came down to faith, man. Like just knowing that it would work out without knowing how. Well, and then doing the steps. So you said, you know, you said that you're, you know, to seek out the mentorship, to seek out all the information. Like I remember mm -hmm. how long have you been doing your podcast now? A year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Someone was maybe vital in helping you do that. You sure um, were. And, but this is the funny thing. I've told so many people to start a podcast. They're like, why? I'm like, because there's not enough podcasts out there. Don't think that it's not even a crowded room, but it gives you a platform, mm -hmm. right? And you got it hook, line, and sink. You're like, got it done. Mm -hmm. I'll have it done. You know, like you had your thing ready and going within a couple of weeks after I shared with you the kind of the formula and just the basic setup, right? Because sometimes yeah. it's like you don't even know what you don't know. And then once you like realize, oh, well, that's not so bad. And then you just turn it on. Right. Now, we've not done this behind the scenes to say, oh, here's the questions I'm going to ask you. Right. This is off script. But right. I think this is prominent because I feel like your podcast opened up a lot of doors for you. Absolutely huge doors. I can absolutely trace one and a half million dollar investor to the podcast and to our click our lead magnet and our landing page and that whole back end system like that whole lead magnet thing and thought leadership platform that you I'll never forget it Corey we were sitting in a mastermind with you and you were standing up with and there were 20 of us sitting there and you know we had all paid you some money to be there and, and it, we're learning from you. And we basically have decided that, you know, Corey Peterson's, he's the bomb and we're going to learn from him. And you look at all of us and said, look, every single one of you should have a podcast. And at that point I knew I'm like, all right, I'm either like going to get up and leave because I'm not listening to what Corey has to say, or I'm going to do what he has to say because I just paid him and he's my teacher and a guru to some extent. And he knows, and he's proven this, you know, you've got the proof of concept with your own podcast. And so, and it has been huge. It's been huge. And I got to say, like, I didn't know how even close to how much I was going to love doing it. I really love doing it. And it's something I look forward to. It's something that I am relatively proud of. And it's like the coolest thing I've ever done professionally, you know? For you those listening right now, so if you're going to go and start your, you're on your journey, or let's say you're on your journey, because Tate started his podcast before he really had all his deals. That's right. So I want to make sure we just put that out there, the myth, oh, I got I to gotta be in the, no, you don't. Yeah. You need to start building what you want, and then you attract the people, and you teach what you know. And if you don't know anything, you bring in guests that know lots. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. And you start getting the self-education of being the guy behind the chair asking all the questions. Yeah. It's a beautiful position to be in. Let's say I came to Phoenix, Corey, and you had some time in your schedule and we went to lunch or we went to coffee or whatever. And 
and sat down. Like we talk about some significant things and wouldn't be just all small talk, but it wouldn't be like this, right? Like this sort of interaction when you're trying to create value for a group of listeners and for you and for me and for all of us, you are sharing the best and highest wisdom that you have. That's kind of can be very game-changing conversation. And I love doing it. I haven't been a guest very often yet. This is probably my third, fourth time, but I do like being behind the mic and being able to ask the questions that I always wondering. And it's really is a privilege. Well, it opens up different platforms. You know, I always say like the reason I didn't know this in the beginning, but you know, when I started doing my podcast, what I realized is that like, let's say you go to an event, you're not even there to speak, but you got a podcast. And all of a sudden there's these great people that are, that you don't really know, but you need to know and you should know. It's as simple as, Hey, would you like to be on my podcast? And the answer unequivocally is always yes. That's right. I'm sitting right next to Kathy Fetke. And Kathy's kind of a big deal, right? Yep, she sure is. This was yeah. at Adam's event. Right? I didn't know who Kathy was, believe it or not, right? I'm in my own little cocoon. And <laughs> I'm talking with her, and I was like, and she had my book. I was like, oh, and I thought she was just a normal attendee, right? I thought she was just a normal attendee. Mm-hmm. I come to her like, I'm a big deal. I'm like, here, you want my book? It's good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I swear, dude, not about 15 minutes after that, she gets on stage and she goes and does her deal. And I realized <laughs> who she really is. And I was like, oh, this is so funny. <laughs> so we had dinner that night. We were just talking about it. And I was like, and so I invited her on my podcast, right? And it was so cool. That was the interaction that it gives you. And it, and it opens yeah. doors. Absolutely. So it just opens doors at the end of the day. Yeah. And guys, like, go to those conferences. Honestly, like, they will change your trajectory in massive ways, multiple ways. You'll meet future partners, you'll meet future capital. It's, they're remarkable. Yeah. I think Corey, you do great events. Everybody should do your boardroom event. If, especially if you're looking for a real well-rounded foundational education that gives you the ability to talk the language at pretty much every point in the process, Corey's legit. His boardroom is very legit and will get you to where you need in a very efficient way. Oh, thanks brother. So, yeah. Highly thanks recommended. The, thanks for the plug. You betcha. <laughs> we didn't talk about that either. <laughs> you betcha. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. I don't do uh, endorsements very often, only what I believe in. But I mean, like you said, we're really proof of concept, I think, in a lot of ways for... We've had lots of help, right? We've had lots of friends. Yeah, of and course. this is a team sport and people have been very good and to us. And we've been lucky on the one hand. And on the other hand, like there are a few people I'll always on one hand, you'll be on my one hand count of people that were massively huge in getting this going for us. So, you know, lots of gratitude. I'd say speaking of gratitude, like right back to the mindset thing, guys, like if you're struggling to have faith, like if you're struggling to find faith, look for gratitude, really reach for that. And like, look for the things that like are going well, because there are always things that are going well. There's always aspects of life that are going well, even when the crap's hitting the fan. Right. So like, that's just a little something on faith and gratitude. They, to me, they kind of work together. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 
46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So yeah. let's kind of unpack one of your deals. I want to kind of like go into some little bit of the meat yeah. potatoes of, okay, how much is your first raise? Well, so Michael Blanc talks about the law of the first deal, and we kind of did the law of the first two deals at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we did a 70-unit deal and a 179-unit deal, both in central Ohio and both Class C properties and both value-add opportunities. And basically, the raise between the two of them was just about $6 million. Yeah. Yeah. For the two deals together. One was a nine and a half million dollar purchase. The other was a $3 million purchase. And so we ended up raising $6 million between essentially three partners and podcast and me doing a webinar. And retrospect, it came down to the efforts of one partner in particular, really bringing it and really going out and doing some grassroots fundraising. And then me really doing what I could do on my end of things, the funds that we needed, and we got it done. And that was a first, Corey. I'd never done anything like that. We really led with a deal first approach. You know, that was our machine was built on finding deals and getting deals under contract and getting deals to the finish line, not on raising capital. So we have raised a lot of capital along the way, even in the single family world, but we didn't have a machine at all before these two deals. Right. So, so you put a couple of deals under contract. You're not even sure how you're right. going to get it done, except for I'm going to do That's whatever right. it takes, right? And I got I put together the yep. right team, right? And then we all went to work, right. right? Now, and that race to the end, to the closing table of raising money, most people will not understand the amount mm-hmm. of stress that entails, yep. but it's real. Can you talk to that? Yeah, it is real. I mean, I went to your neck of the woods for about a week. I went down to Sedona in late March, right in the middle of our capital raise, right in the thick of it. And man, the pressure was huge. I remember sitting in a coffee shop, just kind of going, you know, whoever's out there, God, universe, like, I don't know where this is coming from right now. I don't know how we're going to get this done. I know we are, but I don't know how. And like, I could use a little help wherever it could come from, right? I'm, I'm not too proud to say a, a prayer or two when, when necessary and when prudent. And I think whatever spirituality you practice, like, I think going through a capital raise and bringing it to the finish line, like you said, and going through the stress of that, you're going to learn to rely on those tools, you know, those, the psychological tools, the spiritual tools, all that stuff. And it's stressful. And all I can say is now that we've done it actually twice, because we found one of those two deals, we found a single investor for about a million and a half of that was a single investor. So, you know, once we got those done and we just, once again, it just gives you a little bit more confidence that, all right, next time I can do a little bigger one. And, you know, I've had, dozens of conversations now with capital sources that I never had met before that maybe this next deal is going to work for, and maybe it's going to be a fit for. Yeah. So yeah. 
Yeah, you just got to keep putting yourself out there and just like doing mm-hmm. the work, right? And so in that structure, it sounds what I'm hearing is Tate didn't raise all the money himself. He didn't have the machine yet built, but he found good partners that one particular partner that was pretty good yeah. at raising capital that was significant, but you also brought in you know some significant yep. money as well. But together you guys teamed up and it, yep. and it worked out, yep. right? Now- are those people still doing your next deals or is it a different group? I always interested in it. Does these partnerships stay active forever or is it a, right now it was a good experience. So let's move forward. Yeah. Good, Tell us about a good that. question, Corey. So we're really kind of doing things on a deal by deal basis. You know, my team, my core team consists now of Carl and myself and Chelsea Garber, who I met at a conference as a matter of fact, and I've known for two years. And she's sharp as a knife and very sharp knife. And (laughs) she's really, really good at what she does. And she did the Michael Blanc mentorship program and really knows her stuff. We're the deal finding machine. Once we put a deal under contract or actually once it's under LOI, we really go to work with bringing in the other pieces that we need. We have a few different KPs that are, you know, kind of good to go on most deals that we bring to the table. And then we'll bring in capital raiser or co-GP type partners as well sometimes. And it's really, like you said, it's putting them under contract, putting them under LOI, and then whatever it takes to get them done. And then finding the pieces, yeah. basically mapping out. And I love that you just said this. So that's a great strategy tip, guys. Once you go almost like when you know that you're going to get an accepted LOI or they're going to award it to you, you normally have two to three weeks in red line negotiations, PSA negotiations. And so you can take that time. That's what we normally do in the business is to kind of assemble mm-hmm. Voltron, right? You got to get all the pieces together. Who's going to do what? Who's going to bring capital? You know, we're all going to do it together, but you need to kind of assemble the pieces and have a pretty good foundation of who's yep. going to go where and get that commitment down. And then you start building agreements and operating agreements and PSAs under that guy. Yes. That's right? exactly it. And what you're saying too, Tate, is it changes deal by deal or mm-hmm. can change. Right. And the reason it can change, and I want to make sure everybody understands this, and I know Tate knows this. Why can't it change, Tate? Is because you have what? The deal under what? We have a deal under contract. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yes. Tate has it under contract. Right. So when Tate puts it under contract, Tate is now the master puppeteer, right? (laughs) I think that's a really valid point of you get control when you put deals under contract. Absolutely. And I think people ask a lot, like, how do you get started? What's the best way to get started? How do I get in on a deal? I mean, hands down, guys, the best way to do that is to get a deal under contract or under LOI, under your control, right? quote unquote control, and then bring it to Corey or bring it to a big syndicator that you met at a conference and that you love and trust or, or whoever and go, Hey, I've got yeah. this thing. What do you think? You want to rock and roll? And like, if it's a good deal, it'll find a home. Someone yeah. will buy it. Yes. And that's the easiest yeah. way to get in. It absolutely is the easiest way. Sure. You're, you're not going to get a hundred percent of the GP, maybe right. not even 50. You can get out a significant piece. And it all depends on the other part of the equation right. is capital, right? If you can find a deal and you can raise a decent amount of capital, 
well, your stakes of negotiating just yep. went way up. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I mean, deal and capital, right? Find the deal, find the dollars, put them together, make it happen. And, and then add the value where you need the value to bring it all the way to the yep, top. Absolutely. That really is the structure. I don't think that's talked about enough on really how deals come together. And I think we've talked about this a lot. And I think you've definitely figured that piece out is that all deals have a way to get done, but it's really about mm-hmm. the structure of how you put them together. And it doesn't mean you keep the same team. Every no, time. I would really encourage people that are thinking about partnerships. Look, I'm blessed. I'm in a really good, healthy partnership and have been with my partner for 10 years, just in real estate. And we've actually been working together for 21 years in other fields, photography mainly. But I would actually recommend that people stay kind of sovereign, I guess, and be a free agent. Like go get them, right? Go get the highest and best value that you can get, whether that's the deals or the dollars or both and bring them to the table. Put your partnerships together deal by deal, as opposed to putting a company together that has a heavy overhead and salary needs and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I mean, you can go that route. And I know many people have made it work that way. For me, the appeal of this game is the free agency and the freedom that it offers. And so, and everybody that I do deals with feels the same way. So we're all on the same page. Like, Hey, if you need me, great, let's do this. If not, go get another deal done and we'll get you on the next one kind of thing. Come back on the next one. Yeah, exactly. Cause everybody's at a different place in time and speed, right? Everybody has a different barometer of how fast or hard they want to go. And you know, when you're on your quest to get 2000 doors, Tate's going pretty hard, but Tate's team, you've already put that in motion, but someone else was like, Hey, I'll do this. I'm okay with it. Let me know mm-hmm. when the next one comes up. Right. And that may be their speed, right. Or they need to regroup and re kind of capitalize and get some of their new investors back together and percolating. And then, Hey, I got another tranche of money. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to come in. And a lot of times that's what's happened. People will tell you where they're at. Hey man, I got a couple or I got a hot lead. Or I got a great, couple guys, I need to play some capital. What do you got? Right. Yeah, right. exactly. And those are the conversations. And there is so have. much capital out there, Corey, as we all know, really, that anybody that's paying attention right now, the market's flooded with cash and it all needs a good home. And these multifamily deals, these apartment deals, these syndications are sweet deals. I mean, you're talking a lot of times about somewhere between a seven and a 10% preferred return that gets paid to the limited partners. And then IRRs in the mid-teens, which IRR stands for internal rate of return for listeners and basically is a metric of the whole investment's return between the cash flow it produces and the profit at the end. So they're nice deals. They're three to five years typically. And sometimes you know that can vary significantly, but we call them the creme de la creme, these LP positions, because they get paid first, they get paid the most, they get the most equity. They have the most ownership, which therefore means they have the least amount of risk. Like, it's good. Yeah, that's it. Make it a win-win-win for everybody, my friend. for sure. Cool, dude. So listen, as we wrap up, talk about the future. What is Tate's future? What is that? What do you see that looking like? My big part of my big why is to have enough success that I can legit be a Corey Peterson in this world. That's maybe, I don't mean to uh, pedestal you right here, but like, I really want to be a coach. I want to be a mentor and I want to help other people get this financial freedom thing and get this passive cash flow thing going. 
And so I see I'm in the middle of a three-year sprint, three to five-year sprint, where we'll get somewhere 20, 30, 40,000 a month coming in passive. And then all the wealth building that goes along with that and the equity growth goes along with those assets. And then really knuckle down on coaching, either coaching people that are getting ready to bust through to that millionaire status or people that are in the millionaire status that want to be in the multimillionaire status. Like that's kind of the space that I want to coach inside of. Yeah. No, I I find it really rewarding. All that stuff's good. It's funny how I would say you got to be a good student to be a good teacher, right? You're always looking up, trying to figure out how to get farther up the rung, but you never forget to look down and say, Hey, you know, I remember when I was down there too, let me help some people up along the way and leave enough crumbs or clues uh, so people can see. Absolutely. Right. I think that's what your podcast does too. That's why I think I enjoy it so much because it does give the clues on where you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I consider it like a moral obligation to be able to, you know, just like hold out my playbook and say, you know, here's what we did. Here's where we screwed up. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we think it's smart. And here's how I think I can help somebody else along the way. And that's what it all comes down to me. This venture, this space is an opportunity to be my highest and best self. That's how I look at it is like this entrepreneurial space. And in particular, dealing with people and the sacred trust of providing housing for people and clean, safe, affordable housing. This is like people's lives that we are affecting. And I think something I don't take lightly, and I think it's a privilege really to come in. I like going into a class C asset that we can buy that looks like hell, that hasn't been taken care of and smells and has roof leaks and everything else because I can buy that from that villain, basically, that's just letting it go to all heck and improve the lives of 60 families in in a month or two. That's an exciting proposition for me. So yeah, man, future's bright. I hope to hang out in Kauai and with you sometime. And I'm all about lifestyle, man. This This is all about lifestyle for me too. That's the other big motivator. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's all about trying to live that sunset and palm trees. Well, listen, uh, so any books that you recommend, anything that's that's really hit you lately that you want to share? A foundational book for me was Lance Edwards book called How to Make Big Money in Small Apartments. I always recommend that to somebody that's just getting started. It's a really good overview of the whole game. But aside from that, Corey, Man, there's so many. I'll just kind of throw in a wild card. There's a spiritual book called The Untethered Soul that I think is magical and it can be applied to business and any really any part of your life. Again, it's just really about like living a life that you love, living a life that an expression of freedom, a unique expression of who you are and is a unique gift to the rest of the world. So that's kind of like a foundational book for me. I'll just throw that one right out there. Oh, awesome, awesome. Very appreciative. So last word, or what piece of advice would you give uh, listeners listening right now? What would you want to tell them? Gosh, there's a bunch. But the first thing I'd say is do whatever it takes to get a mentor. Like if you need to pay for it, pay for it. If you need whatever it takes, get mentorship. Digital mentorship is great. And what I mean by that is the podcasts, the audiobooks, the YouTube videos, all that stuff's awesome. But there's no substitution for somebody 
that takes a high level of interest in you and your, your level of success. And then the other thing I would say is something I just heard really recently is get comfortable being uncomfortable. And what I mean by that is like, there's stuff that we have to do every single day that we don't want to do, whether that's working out, meditating, whatever it is that is, you know, is good for you that for some reason we resist doing, like I've got that going on in my life. If you're going to grow and expanding your mindset in this apartment building space requires personal growth. And if you're going to do that, you really need to like take that on and just take on the challenge of the personal development work, right? Like, again, like exercise, look at it that way. So get comfortable being uncomfortable. Sweet. Yeah. Those are, that's really, it makes a lot of sense. I resonate that with that well, right? That's the one to be the one constant in your life is that it's not always going to be fun, but usually that's where the big growth happens too. When you're probably the most uncomfortable is when you're really getting ready to have a breakthrough. And uh, that's at least that's what's always happened in my life. If people want to find out more about Greenlight mm-hmm. uh, Equity Group, what, what do they do? Where do they go? So investwithgreenlight.com is a great place to start. And you can check out the Apartment Guys podcast as well. That's my podcast. Those are basically the probably the two best places to reach me. I am here, guys, like for real. I love to hear from listeners and Corey's people are my people and anything that I can do to contribute, I'm, I'm here for. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm super proud, bro. I've watched that desire, that commitment, that piece where you decide, it's always a decision that I'm going to go in. I, I know you made it for sure that night and when at Adam Adams event, probably previously in Dealmaker yep. where you were already already on that journey. But for me, I first saw it at Adam's event. I saw you and your team making the mental change and and just really, you were just a sponge. You wanted to soak up everything. Mm -hmm. And that translated to action, which translated to your success that you're having now. Yeah. And I am a firm believer and watching you do it has been the most fun for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the medicine because I always sometimes give it really rough and be like, here's what it needs to be done, right? But you've done remarkably well, and you're just getting started, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's the beauty of it, Tate, is uh, to watch that growth, to watch it happen, to see it happening to you now as you're talking, and, and to see no end in the, you know, in the future. You could play this game forever. Maybe it's a five-year sprint, mm-hmm. but you might uh, decide to start marathoning after that five years. Yep. I see that. I love this. I love this game, man. I love it. Love it. Love it. So I don't see quitting. I really don't. You know, I think I'll do it because I love it. Last thought for me, I guess, is I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've been now doing multifamily for 11 years now, right? This is my 11th year. And I still feel like I'm just now getting ready to hit my stride. Mm -hmm. I didn't go out super fast. I went slow. But we're doing today, I mean, I think about this, right? So I think this year, I think we'll do almost $70 million of acquisitions, okay? And I just got to believe that in five years from now, I'm going to double. I'll double that portfolio value Mm -hmm. just on that, what I bought. So Mm -hmm. that's $1.4, that's $70 million extra. And then what's my take on this? Let's say I get half of that, 35 million bucks. Right. Are you kidding me? 
right? From one year's worth of work, yeah. That's just this year's work. Right. Let's say I do it again for the next five years because that's probably what will happen. Mm-hmm. And then you say five years from now, and that's where I'm at now. That's not where I was at in the beginning. But that is the snowball effect to where our personal goal, my personal goal, is to become a family office mm-hmm. to where we're only working our money in our deals that we own 100%. And my family helps run the business, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And where we don't even need outside capital. Now, we'll probably still use it. And here's the truth is we'll probably have two tranches, mine and investors, because mm-hmm. my investors are never going to want to give me back their money. Right. <laughs> and, so, and I'm just going to have, and I'll feel obligated to keep on finding them. <laughs> of course. Right. But in the meantime is to, to put it together. So I just want to give that little piece to you, the audience, and just to share with Tatus, he's on his colossal journey where everything's unlimited and all the possibilities are real. But I'll go back and start with what we talked about in the beginning was mindset, guys. Your mindset is everything. You've got to guard it and guard your thoughts like a freaking hawk because there's out there, there's dream stealers out there and they will try to destroy you if they can, right? So keep that thing safe, keep it protected. But if you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible.